Amen. And this morning, what I'm going to talk to, when I say emblems of the Holy Spirit, there's different things when you look at the scripture. It, many times it talks about the anointing. It talks about the atmosphere. It talks about the wind of the Holy Spirit. It talks about the breath of God. There, there's is the oil of God. And, there, you know, there, there, there's the, the, the rain of God. The, uh, in, in the anointing oil of God. There's many different things. There's about 12, 13 different things where it represents the Holy Spirit in the Bible. But this morning, what I want to talk about this morning, I was going to talk about the fire of God this morning, the fire of the Holy Spirit. And how many of you say, Pastor Bubba, I need a little fresh fire in my life. And so when I talk about the, when you're going to, so we're going to be doing this in the next four weeks and the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about some of these different things. But in this room, I know there's a mixture of things. When you talk about Holy Spirit, there's a mixture. I know what happens in a room like this. You know what? Let me just tell you some people, well, the Holy Spirit, I mean, some people think we have a category of people. Well, that's crazy, man. That means they're going to be pulling out slang calls and people going to, Sister Teapot's going to sit in the back and she's going to start brewing. Woo, 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 woo. You know, I mean, you've been, how many of you know what I'm talking about? I mean, my, my, my friend, Pastor Steve uh, Robinson, we used to do these, these youth outreach with these, these youth camps. And I remember he looking at Pastor Jacob one day because, man, I, you know, Pastor Jacob, I just got to tell you this. I got a touch on my life right now. I got a touch of God, and we need some slaying calls. When I pray for people, are going to fall out. And Pastor Jacob ordered, he, we, he had a lady make 400 slaying cloths. Do you know what a slaying cloth is? You know, it's like when people fall out, you know, when people pray, you've seen when they fall, and they, they put it over their dresses or something. So, you know, okay, you know, you know uh, I, I told my wife the other day, I said, I need to find one of those old slaying cloths and frame it and send it to Pastor Steve. But, you know, this, this week, they have the fastest growing church in Louisiana right now. It's 10,000 people, okay, in Mandeville, Louisiana, part of our, our, one of my best friends, and they just built, this is crazy, they just built a $40 million complex. They had 10,000 people this weekend at church, in the house, they didn't count pregnant women twice, okay, and so what happened is like when you talk about that and you go, oh, that means, you know, oh, man, there's some crazy people that are going to worship for two hours or something. How many of you are talking about? Then you got those other people that are very cautious. And you're probably like, like maybe you've had an experience and things that, 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 you know, and then people, yeah, maybe a, just a kind of different experience. And a lot of times people blame, oh, that was the spirit of God. And it was just goofy and weird and different. And how many I'm talking about? So you're like, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, you're a little cautious. And, you know, some people, you know, it's crazy. And then other people are just confused. All right. It's either people are crazy, they're cautious, or they're just confused. And the Bible says that, that God has not given us a spirit of what? Okay, so we don't want you to be confused. So well, we, we don't want you to we don't want you to believe that. So I just want to for me, I just think about times when God has spoken to me to do something or believe him for something and trust him to do something. I know one time when I was uh, actually in Baton Rouge and my truck broke down and I was over an overpass and the Lord spoke to me. And I mean, I was just I was just praying that day and the Lord just spoke to me. He said, you see that guy in that parking lot, Baba? I go, yeah. And he goes, I want you to go tell him. That he's fixing to commit adultery and I know it. I'm like, what? Lord, I've been praying that I hear your voice, but I don't, I, you know, Lord. I mean, Lord. And I remember, I love to, look at me. I'd love to tell you I did it like that. Okay, I was like, I was, can I just say, I was like, man, I better check this out. 
And so I remember I'm going to the lobby and there's a lady gets out of the car and she goes to the lobby, meets him at the desk and everything. And I was, I was, I was literally, this is no lie. I was on the payphone. You remember what payphones are? But anyway, I was on the payphone acting like I was talking to see if they were really going to check in. I was testing. I was like, I was kind of like, you know, Gideon, Lord, unless there's dew on the ground tomorrow, you know what I mean? And I remember going there and it's like, and, 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 and I'm doing all this stuff and I'm, I'm like, and the Lord just kept putting that impression. I want you to tell him. I want you to tell him. And so I never forget, man. I just said, all right. I mean, phew. and I remember going and the guy's in his, he's in a Jeep, a white Jeep Cherokee. If you're here today, don't say who you are. But anyway, and, and I remember he's on the cell phone and he's talking. And I go up to the window like this. He's in there and he's just like sitting there and he's, I'm like right here on this window right here. And he looks at me. And I kind of tap on his window and he goes, and he puts, he has, and he rolls the window down and he goes, excuse me, hold on. You need something? Um, yes, sir. Um, God, the God of the Bible <laughs> told me that he just wants to let you know that he loves you and he wants to spare you from heartache and pain. And he knows you're fixing to commit adultery on your wife. And he just sent me here to tell you. And that's all he said. That's it. <laughs> you know? Seriously. I, didn't, I mean, I'm serious. And I never forget that. I mean, I go back up to the overpass. I see him drive off. And I see this lady coming out of the lobby looking and getting her car and takes off. Okay. You can say, well, I don't, know, I don't want anything like that to happen in my life. But there's been other times I remember when I was in Honduras one time and I was there and we had to go to a jail. And I've been I've ministered in American prisons and penitentiary, state, federal, you know, parish, all that juvenile detention centers and all that. Did that for years. And I remember going to this one place and one of the guys, one of my disciples, a guy named Chance McCartney. And uh, his brothers played for University of Colorado and all that. And and uh, he was a missionary, knew three languages and. And Portuguese, Spanish, and in English, so three. Anyway, and so he, uh, he, he, he's living there, and he goes, oh, Bob, I need you to come. I want you to come minister in these churches and stuff. And they got some other people, and they want you to come to, the, to, the, to, to go minister at the jail. And I go, all right, that's cool. Now, a jail like that, how many of you have seen any of Clint Eastwood's movies? I mean, don't lie. Don't be, be And you've seen jail scenes of that. That's how that jail looked. It was like old metal gates with a, a skeleton key at the thing at the middle. But before you go in there, they check you out. There ain't no scan. They're scanning you. They're handing you. All right, let me just give you that. And, and, then, and I remember, I remember going in there and I'm, I'm thinking, oh my God, they open the, the gate and they do this and they let me in by myself. And they closed the gate and locked it. I go, can I just be honest with you? My first thought was I'm going to kill Chance. If I get a chance, I'm killing him. What the heck am I doing in this? I mean, I'm going to call my wife. They're going to have to call my wife. I, he went to the jail. And I mean, I thought I was fixing to have my own jail ministry. And I, and I remember going in there and some guys that were there before. We walk in the thing, like in the center of this jail. And they'd kind of made like a crude little church. And I'll never forget. We start singing and I started preaching and I had an interpreter and he was just saying what I was sharing. And it wasn't so much what I said, 
But the presence of God was there. And right in the middle of that jail, let me just say a fire, the fire of God. When I say it was just like, and it was like at the same time, everybody just got on their knees. These guys are weeping. I'm weeping. I shut up. You know what I'm saying? They didn't, I didn't need to say anything else. It was just the presence of God and God doing something in the hearts of every man that was there. And so this morning, what I want to do is, you know, many of you, you know, you know, we, we're missing out. Sometimes you go, well, Pastor Bubba, you know, um, a lot of people have a misconception of what the Holy Spirit is or what he does. And so uh, who is the Holy Spirit? I want to talk about that, some of those things with you this morning. We worship one God, but he's expressing three distinct personalities. We all know about the father. Every one of us had a father. Some of us not ever, might not have ever seen our father, been around our earthly father, or you never had a father in your life. But let me look at me. I remember meeting a girl one time. She was a cheerleader, young African-American girl, beautiful little girl. And she came to me and she, after I was ministering to school, she just came to me. She said, Baba, you know, I just need God to do something in my life. My, my, I had a guy stay with my, my, in my parents' house and he, he just did things to me that weren't right. And I just feel gross and I feel nasty and I feel dirty. And I remember just praying for her and right there, God just, God touched her. And she says, you know, I really never had a father in my life. And I looked at her and I said, let me tell you, I can't remember her name. And she go, I go, listen, God wants to be the father that you've always dreamed of having. That's who he is. Your father, your earthly father may abandon you, but God, the father wants to be a father. He said he would be a father to the fatherless. And then there's a second person of the Trinity and his name is Jesus. And we know a lot about Jesus. We talk about him. We always have, we have pictures. Some people have hanging pictures of Jesus over their mantle, or they have that, that, that really nice family Bible and they have it open with that picture of Jesus. Or, you know, when you were a kid, you saw that picture of Jesus knocking on the door or some of you have him around your neck. Then the third person is the Holy Spirit. And that one's the one that everybody kind of, what, is he kind of like the, he's kind of like the awkward stepchild in the, in the Trinity. You know, and who comes in mind when you think of Holy Spirit? Well, he's a force, like Star Wars, may the force be with you. You know, or, or he's magical, he's new age, you like candles, you burn incense, you chant. Hmm. Or he's a fog. He's like the TV show Lost. Or he's a ghost walking around like Casper. You know, let's set the the record straight. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. Okay? The Holy Spirit is God himself. A person. He's a person who can speak to you and you to him. He wants that intimate relationship with you, that he speaks to you, that encourages you. He helps you. He says he's the helper. He's a paraclete. He comes on side of you to help you in things that you can't do by yourself. God never expected you to make it in this world by yourself. Let me ask you, how many of you lived your life for yourself, on yourself, and by yourself before? And look where you got yourself. And so he's described as a comforter. How many of you have needed comfort sometimes? How many of you have faced pain, difficulty, sadness? You know, uh, and maybe he, he's that comforter. He's a comforter. He's not an impersonable force or a fog. The Bible, I love it. He's a guide. 
He's a guy. Like I've, I've been to Africa and I've preached in Africa. And I've also had the privilege of taking some of the guys. You know, Pastor Bubba, we know you like to hunt. We take you to Africa to hunt. I'm like, God, dog it. I'm going to hunt. And so, you know, like the, the guy, my guide there, his name is Mike. Mike Farney. And they brought me there, stayed at the camp, me and Pastor Sam, who's a veteran missionary, he's over mission societies all over the world. And he got, we're there at this camp. And so he says, you know, Bubba, I'm going to take you out. We're going to hunt the real African. We're not getting in a Jeep. We're going to walk. I'm like, one side of me is going, dang. The other side's going, going, the inner boy in me. You know? And I remember we're walking through, we're seeing, we're seeing animals. And like, it's like we're walking through this, this it's, I don't want to call it, it wasn't a jungle, but like, it's more like West Texas kind of thing. But they had, they had like these trees that are real similar to mesquite, but it was like it had a canopy. We we're walking through this canopy. You could see animals and, and you know, I was going to shoot and I'm, I'm sorry, but I wanted a zebra rug. I was looking for a zebra. Zebras are like horses. You can hear them fart and snort. It's true. And man, we're going, and let me, let me just say this. I remember going through there and, and he said, look, this is what we need to do. Look at me. If he told me what I needed to do, I was doing it because he was a guide. I was in Africa. I was in a place I did not know. I wasn't going to act like I knew what I was doing or where I was going. Even in, in, even in the book of Genesis and even Hebrews, as I've studied Hebrews the last couple of weeks, Hebrews 11, where the Bible says, Abraham, God had called him out of his, his land. But he said, he, but he got to a place where he goes, he did not know where he was going. You ever feel that way? Listen, without God, I didn't know, without this guide, I didn't know where I was going. Without the Holy Spirit being your guide, you don't know where you're going in this life. And see, you know, and it's like he called, he's a helper. I need help. How many, you know, how many look at, look at your neighbor and go, you know, you do need help. Every one of us need help. You see, let, let's, let's, let me just say this, is that when you see this, you know, it's, it's, Living the Christian life is about following. It's not about following rituals. Really what it's about, it's about joyfully pursuing Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Look, I started this thing out wanting to know Jesus, love Jesus. And when you, when, when you meet him, he helps you. The Holy Spirit helps you to become closer and more intimate with God. Romans 8 and 9 says this. It says, but you are not controlled by your sin nature. You know, there's that, there's that one side of you, inside of you. How many of you know that we all have that inner jerk in us? Everybody's got the inner jerk. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, and you're fighting that with the spirit of God trying to lead you to do something. Have you ever been cut off and you want to give someone a peace symbol? Come on. Are there things that happen in your life and you're kind of going, whoa, whoa, what's this all about? And, and, you, and you have the, all these emotions. You know, look at me. Don't act like you're real. You look, if you think you're, you're better than everybody else, you know, let, let me just say, this. you can shine your halo by yourself, but I'm going to talk to the rest of the real people. Okay. The, the incredible thing is, is that for all of us, we are tested and tried and all of us have been delivered from being Smoking dope, drunkenness, adultery, all those different. How I many of you know we've all been delivered from whatever? 
So we are the redeemed. And he just says this. And there's that, that fight. And he says, and there, there, there's a, we're controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled. He says, you're not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the spirit. If you have the spirit of the living God in you, remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. See, the simplest definition of what it means to be a Christian is to be a person whom the Holy Spirit lives in. What do you mean by that? God puts his spirit inside of us to make us, to mark us as his own. Mine. Mine, that's mine. Look, I have six children. Didn't do it by myself. Okay? My wife and I have six children. And I have five sons and one daughter. And every one of them have a different voice. Okay? Different pitch. You know, different... They're just different. Okay. But I can just say this when it's, if you get in a mix of things, like we had that Easter egg drop when Sam was talking to me, he said, how can you pastor Bubba? Y'all kept announcing, how can you lose your child in the, in like, in all that thing? Believe me, there was probably mama's looking at the eggs and the helicopter kid walked off. I don't know. But we'd have to claim, Hey, we got little Mike over here. He's five years old and he really looking for you, mama. Loretta, that's your name, he said. He's waiting. And then what it have to do is, I mean, we had one and go, she goes, I, I know his mama. I can bring him to his mama. Do you know her? He goes, then uh, and me and there was one of the girls in the church. I said, that's okay. Hey, we appreciate you coming, but we're waiting for his mama. You know, nowadays, you don't just give a child. You know what I'm saying? And when she came up, what she do? She goes, that's mine. He goes, is that your mama? mama. We don't need anything. That's God. That's mine. Daddy, God. God goes, that's mine. Come on, I'm going to help you. I'm going to deal with you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to counsel you through this. I'm going to guide you with this. And so God's spirit has promised not just to be with you, but to live inside of you. To be the compass for your life. You see, and so over the next four weeks, we're going to look at four different emblems or different symbols the Bible uses to describe the Holy Spirit. So this morning, today, we're going to look at the Holy Spirit described as a fire. Number one, let me go through this. And it's number one, in the Old Testament, David wanted to build a house for God, the temple. And, but God came, let me just give you a little, God told him, he said, David, I don't want you to, be, you, I don't want you to build, the, you can't build a temple, you're a man of blood. In other words, he killed people. He was a warrior. He was all these different things. And he says, you're not going to build the temple, but your son is. But David's greatest. Is, so David goes, that's all right. That's all right. You know what David did? He got all the supplies together. He got all that he could, the gold, the silver, the bronze. He got the that special cedar from Lebanon. He got all these different things, all the all the ornate uh, uh, jewels and things like that to, to make whatever was done. Because there was a description how it was going to be made and what was going to be done. And so David got the supplies. And so in this, Solomon ended up being the one who built the temple. But his daddy got it all together. Okay. And so here it is. It takes seven years to build this temple. And what happens, and there was no expense spared. I mean, it was like incredible. 
And what happened is they have a ribbon cutting ceremony and everybody's at this special event. And this is where we're going to pick up in the story in Second Chronicles chapter 6. And, and, and then I'm going to go to chapter 7 right after and just read a few things, stop a little bit, share a little bit. And then we're going to go through this. So I want to talk about the first thing that the, the fire does. It ignites. It ignites. What do you mean, Pastor? Let's look. Okay, let's look. He said, uh, starting in verse 12, then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the entire community of Israel, and he lifted his hands in prayer. Now, Solomon had made a bronze platform, seven and a half feet long, seven and a half feet wide, and, and four and a half feet high, and had placed it at the center of the temple uh, outer court. And he stood on the platform, and then he knelt in front of the entire community. You think about that. He just knelt. Because it's a form of humility. Imagine in front of the whole crowd. And of Israel lifted his hands toward heaven and he prayed. And what he does is that he, he, he prays and he acknowledges God's greatness. He acknowledges God's goodness. He says, oh Lord, God of Israel, there is none, no one like you in all of heaven and earth. You keep your covenant and you show unfailing love to all who walk before you in wholehearted devotion. That means with all your heart. And he just goes on to say, when you have kept your promises to your servant, David, my father, you made the promise with with your mouth and with your own hands. You have fulfilled it today. And see, when what happens is. He's coming to a point. How many ever felt dry in your prayers? Y'all pray for me. Okay. How many of you just had times where you just gone through dryness? What does that mean? Or you just don't feel like praying. You ever have that? You don't feel like, oh, man, I just got to praise. You know, sometimes you go, man, someone needs to kick me. And especially how I many of you may be going through a dry season and it's a hard time and you're dealing with things in your life or things around you. And it makes it even harder. And what happens is Solomon, when when, when your prayer life seems dry, here, here's what you need to do. You need to start thanking God for what he's done in your life. You start thanking him and praising him. It's a pattern. And then you find yourself, and what you'll do, you'll find yourself swimming in the heart, in the ocean of gratitude when you start thanking God and blessing God and praising God. And here he is. He's just building this up. And so for the rest of the chapter, he's just praying and praising God and talking about God's goodness. Then you get down to chapter 7 and verse 1 through 3. And when Solomon finished praying, I love this, fire flashed down from heaven. And burned up the offering. In other words, the glory of God fills the house. And, and what happens is, it, it, it's like, it, that's what happens when you praise, when you pray, or when you may be going through something difficult. And the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. The priest cannot enter the temple of the Lord because the glorious presence of the Lord filled it. When, the, when all the people of Israel saw the fire coming down and the righteous presence of the, of the Lord filling the temple, they fell face down on the ground and worshiped and praised the Lord saying, He is good. His, his, his faithful love endures forever. And I just love what he's saying here is, you know, fire always comes when you come to a place of sacrifice. They'd come to a place of sacrifice. They'd sacrifice all these animals. I don't have time to tell you how many bulls and all that stuff. And sometimes what has to happen, we have to come to that place in our lives. We get the bull out of ourselves. And we go, God, I need you. How many of you have ever been desperate for God? You know how you start a fire? You get some wood. Okay? 
and you get some you get some wood and you get some fuel. And then what you need, you need a spark, don't you? Come on. But you need air to kind of to blow through that. And so you light that thing and I was like, it comes. And we know fire. And it's the same way with our lives. If you're dry, if you're down, if you're discouraged, if you're depressed, if you're going to listen, let me just say this. Some go, I'm just going to do burnout. I heard my friend, one of my friends told me the other day, the Lord spoke to him. He says, he said, okay, you want to, you want to burn for me or you want to burn out? And he goes, well, I want to burn for you. And God told him, he said, just remember, it's a choice. I was like, whoo, I want to burn. And what happens is for our lives, are y'all with me this morning? Okay. What happens is God wants to ignite your life. How many of you believe that God might want to ignite your marriage? How many of you God may want to ignite your family? Maybe ignite you to be at the place that God has called you to be because you're the only representative of where you're at to represent God in his heart. Because they've had other people that have been there that are crazy, they're skeptical, and, and you know what I mean? And they've left a bad testimony. You know what I'm talking about? And God may put you in a place, for, but you fast forward in the New Testament and the Holy Spirit no longer dwells in the temples, but in people. And you look at 1 Corinthians, says, don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. I love when, 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 when uh, John the Baptist comes out and, and he says, I baptize you with water, but, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You know, in Acts, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And what they were doing is suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like a a roaring and mighty, you know, windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And then they all looked and like flames of tongues and fire appeared and set on each of them. And everyone was present, was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave availability. Let me just say this. The audio came before the visual. What do you mean by that, Pastor? The sound of the wind before the sight of the fire. Because the Lord always precedes the work of God. I mean, the presence of God. And see, this is, the man always says, well, if I can see it, then I'll believe. You know what God says? Believe, and then you will see it. Y'all like my Uncle Si glasses? Got little camouflage right here. Hey, Jack. Anyway. Anyway. So, hey, my Duck Dynasty glasses. I kind of like them. Anyway, just, I can see. See, do you notice at the beginning of the temple, the New Testament and our salvation is ignited by the fire of the Holy Spirit? See, so fire ignites. Some of us, you need to get a jump, a kickstart. Some of you, your wood's wet. Some of you, the reason you're like, man, I'm just struggling because you haven't gone to the place where you just need God desperately. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. And see, the second thing, let me go, and I don't want to go long here. Fire purifies. Okay, the first you know, it's in Isaiah, and we're using some Old Testament here. Then, he, then I said, it's over. I'm doomed. You know, we're, here, here it is. Isaiah is up. He's praying. He's, pray, he's saying, Lord, he's 
he's prophesying to all these people for the first five chapters. He goes, woe to you. Woe to you. God's coming down after you. He's coming. And all of a sudden, you know what happens? He gets a picture of God himself and he goes, woe unto me. He'd been preaching to other people, but when God's presence showed up, when the Holy Spirit came down, he goes, whoa. Isn't it easy to preach to people? But let God show up in your life. And guess what? I always heard this. When a preacher's pointing at you, there's some, there's some more fingers pointing back at him. Fire purified. And see what happens. He saw the fire of God. The presence of God came. And he was judging all these other people. But then all of a sudden the presence of God came and touched him. And he goes, whoa, look at me. Whoa, I messed up. There's some changes that I need to. Come on. Yeah, and he says, I'm doomed. He's, and he says, for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips. He sees God and he says, man, I'm, I'm undone. And I live among a people with filthy lips. My pro- he's, I don't know what he's saying, but he, uh, let me just say this. Isaiah, he sees this. He goes, my lips aren't doing what they need to be doing. Not only are my lips, I don't know, maybe in my speech. The way I talk to other about, uh, people behind their back. I might, he might have a little profanity thing going on. He could have had a little gospel little thing. I heard a lady come into a church one time and she'd been gossiping for years and years and run people off. And she came to the altar and she, and the pastor looked at her and he said, baby, why are you here? And he goes, well, I've been talking behind people's back and I just got a real gossip spirit. And he says, well, baby, your tongue ain't big enough. The altar ain't big enough for the tongue you got. I don't know. We don't know. But Isaiah knew when he got in God's presence. I'm not saying I know. But he said, my lips. My lips. I have filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king. You know what? When I get around God or get around godly people, there's a little thing called conviction. And conviction's good. Hello. Condemnation is where the enemy goes, you no good, no good, no good. Barnacle on the bottom of a boat in Delcom Harbor. You little barnacle, you. You no good. You cigarette sucking little center, you. You know what you've been doing. You know, girl, you look so, I mean, you wear pants so tight, you can see the date of the dime on your jeans. My God, you're right. Look at me. How many you know we all got those voices? Even when you get saved and God delivers you, the devil's always trying to remind you of what? Your past. Because he knows what the future is because you're a child of God. You're an heir of the throne. You're an heir of the kingdom. If you, I mean, the Bible says no weapon formed against you can prosper. If you give all, you give it to God. He also says that, you know what? He's saying the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That means resurrection life lives inside of you. And we really see our potential. So the whole time he's trying to remind you of your past and all your stuff. Because he doesn't want you. He knows what the future can be if you get it. You see, am I making sense here yet? And see, yet I've seen the king, the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies. And then when the seraphim flew to me 
And with a burning coal, he had taken it from the altar with a pair of tongs and he touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Whatever area of life is undone. Listen, God wants to come down and he wants to cauterize. So what he did, he put them coals on his lip. He cauterized his lips. He said, you've been saying things with these lips, but guess what? I'm going to help you. I don't know what area you struggle with, but God wants to come and cauterize that area. Burn it out of you. You know, about, about how long ago? Two months ago, I had to go. They found another spot. I've been battling cancer for about three and a half years, okay? Different things. And they had a spot show up in my liver. So what they went in there and did, they got this needle and they stuck it right here. The spot was like right here and they stuck a needle in me. And what they did it had radio frequency ablation. They went and they stuck that thing and it came and when they stuck it in there, it came out like a, like a little umbrella and they burnt the area around that. It was like burning a wart. All right. But they, and they pulled it out $40,000 later <laughs> for a needle. I'm like, Lord God, what are y'all doing? Are y'all, you will pass the Bible. I mean, you know, you're supposed to be a man of God. I've, I've heard people. I've had people even say, you have sin in your life. Well, God gave you, you know, you got because you got sin in your life. And, and look at me. Have I had have I had to deal with sin in my life? Heck, yeah. I want to go. Well, you perfect because yeah, it's coming on you next. But can I tell you, when it first happened, a friend of us, and I don't want to go there long. When I first found out the news, my wife and I were sitting in the, in the doctor's office. And when they told me that what we had, they confirmed it. That I had when, I, when the first all started. I just, I just, she was there. I got on my knees in her office. And I said, God, the battle's yours. I trust you. And I remember getting up and I look at the doctor and I go, Dr. Roden. This is much of a journey. Not only is it much a journey for me and my family, but it's a journey for you to see the power and the presence of God. And to see me walk through this journey. And let me tell you something. I go back there. I don't like, I would like, they, they go, you know, they, you, if you go to it, like if you've gone through chemo and stuff, they go, we miss you. I go, I don't miss y'all. <laughs> I don't miss any of y'all. I miss the people. Because you know what? I had opportunities. I mean, you be in a chair and they're, sh- they're shooting that stuff up in you and stuff. And you, you got an audience. And I remember I had my saving chair because they have a TV in the corner. I never watched TV the whole time I was doing all that. I just sit there and talk to people and share with people. And this, uh, the last time I went and visited one of those ladies, goes, oh, hey. They call me the little boy. The little boy. He back. And she goes, baby, how you doing? I said, man, God's good. God's with me. Yeah, you doing okay? I said, yeah. She goes, I think about you. I miss you. I said, well, I miss you too, but I don't miss being here. She goes, oh, baby, I know. Fire purifies. You know what God did through a lot of that? Just did a lot of work in my own personal heart. You see, whatever area is undone in your life, it could be your mind, it could be your speech, it could be the cutting, the way you cut on people, or it could be wandering eyes, it could be whatever it is, God wants to come. Whatever that thing, that, 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 that how evil wants to come and have an entrance into your life, 
God's going, let me just cauterize that. Let me just burn that little spot, that little area out. So it doesn't have to be something that become that all of a sudden that that dictates what you become for the rest of your life. You know, and we live in a day where sin's just engulfing people like crazy. Where people, I mean, they're, they're, how many, you know, there's just growing hostility toward Jesus. You know, and, and family units are crumbling. We look at, I mean, you just look at it. I, I read a report the other day that they were talking about people were having, you know, just, just about marriage and the whole institution of marriage. How's that changed? And not just with the, 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 um, the gay thing. It's just like how people's attitude towards marriage is changing, period. You remember they interviewed a lady. She said, well, it's not about, I mean, it was a lady that was, she was a lesbian. They interviewed her in Australia. She's from America, one of the big movements here. And they goes, you know, they're interviewing her. She says, what do you think about all this? She said, well, it's really not about gay marriage. We're not going after that. We're going after the institution of marriage itself. And see, it's just the breakdown. It's the breakdown of the family. It's a breakdown of the unit. It's a breakdown where daddy looks like an idiot on every sitcom you watch. He can't make a decision. And women are smarter than all men. We knew that already. But anyway. But the thing is, is you know, people are, are calling good evil and evil good. You got people that, do you know that there are more people dying from their own hand than in car crashes and murders? That our military veterans are taking, they're, they're taking their own lives more by their own hand than even the enemy? We need to be praying for our veterans and thanking God for what they did and the freedom that we enjoy. Do you know that, do you know that people are turning into drugs to feel alive and turning to alcohol to drown the feelings? And sometimes, look at me, I want to tell you something. Sometimes we need to go through that deep, dark night of the soul. What does that mean? Pain. God uses pain to draw us back to himself. What do you mean by that, Pastor? You know why pain kills, pills are so, I mean, some people take pain pills, I know, for physical things. I understand that. I'm not here downing you. But there are other people who take it because they have pain in their mind, pain in their spirit, pain in their soul. And they're thinking, if I can just do, it's just delaying it in, 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 inevitable. Well, God can use pain to draw us to himself. How many of you ever had a, a child that's just gone astray and the pain that it causes you? I've prayed with a guy that he, all he wants is his son just to say, Dad, I appreciate what you did for me. I have a guy that sold his business for hundreds of millions of dollars that I'm ministering to right now. And he gave his son 10% of hundreds of millions of dollars and his son hates him. I'm like, What? I'd be carrying my dad's briefcase. See, the Holy Spirit purifies us from all impurities. The third thing, fire consumes. Fire consumes. I don't know if I'm going to get through, Jamie. Might, might not get all the points. Fire consumes. Deuteronomy 4.24. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Anything fire touches sooner or later becomes fire itself. Are you kind of sick of yourself sometimes? You're tired of me? You know, you ever get feeling, I'm just tired of me. You ever find yourself praying, God, consume me, God. Get me free from 
some of these fleshly in these these fleshly inclinations that I have that I want to go do. Make me burn. Help me become pure. You see, fire fire doesn't stay in one place. It consumes everything. And God wants to consume every part of your life. You see, have you ever heard someone say, that man's on fire? What do they mean when they say that? They're passionate. We need to see people set on fire by the Holy Spirit. They have a passion. I love what Tim Tebow did. He, he was at our church in Lafayette when I saw him and brought my son. He got a football signed by Tim Tebow. He was old. And they picked him out. They picked him random out of the crowd. So he was like, this is God. <laughs> you know, my dad's Pastor Bubba, but, you know, man, praise God. I love what Tim Tebow said. He said his daddy came back from his dad was a missionary in the Philippines for years. And he was the youngest one. And he wasn't supposed to live. And he says, you don't know this, but, you know, in my family, you know, they always have names if they call you. He said, all my brothers grew up calling me because when he saw his mom when she's pregnant, he said, you have a tumor with this baby. And it's like, I don't know if it's a baby, it's a tumor. And so they call him Timmy the tumor. Anyway, and uh, so, you know, even Tim Tebow got teased, you know. And so he was saying, you know, his dad came back from the mission field and he says, guys. And he said, my dad would always bring presents to us. And we were like, wait, can't wait. And he said, my dad came back and he says, boys, sit down. He said, man, we all sat down and he pulls out a VHS. He said, I want you to watch this and I want you to think about it. He goes, and they're all like, okay. And they put the. He puts a VHS on and they watched Braveheart for three and a half hours. <laughs> he said, well, now daddy came when the movie was over. He said, boys, whatever God tells you to do, you do it with passion. You do it with passion. You do it with passion. When you're on fire, you're consumed. You're passionate. You don't care. You know, I mean, in the road, in, in chapter, in Luke chapter 24, they're walking. These disciples are walking down the road. I'm not going to read to you, but it's the road to Emmaus and they're talking and Jesus is with them, but they don't know it's Jesus. And they, they're kind of bummed out, kicking rocks down the road. And, you know, they're just talking and go, listen, what? and Jesus shows them, hey, guys, what's wrong? Man, if you, man, you don't know, you don't know what's been going on. And so they start telling him about all the things about himself. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that, that he reveals who he is, and then he leaves. And I remember what they said. Did you did not? He goes, hey, they go, didn't your heart burn when he was with us? Some just burned, didn't you? You know, the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to change us into people who are called to be, who we're called to be. You know, a lot of people, you know, we, we you know, Listen, we don't, you know, people go, well, what about the day of Pentecost? What about the day? We don't need to be waiting on Pentecost anymore. Pentecost is here. Acts 4.31, and I'm coming to the end. Are y'all clo- Are y'all ready? Y'all ready for me to end, right? How many of you give me five minutes? Come on, come on, give me, give me five more minutes. I need some hands up here. Five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50. See, y'all hadn't been here a while. I hadn't been here in a while. People in unit, uh, Jenny's don't raise their hand for me. 
Anyway. It said the, the, it says, here's his disciples, the early church. They weren't praying. Listen, when they were getting persecuted, they weren't praying that it would leave. They were praying, God, make us bold. Just make us bold. We know, and you know what? Persecution does something. Something that happens in you, pressure, the pressure of this world, the pressure of life does something inside of you. And what happens is you realize, man, I don't need what's going on in this world. I need the fire and I need the boldness of the living God to come into my own life that I can burn for you. I love what C.S. Spurgeon used to say. Yeah, you never have to advertise fire because when a real fire comes, everybody can see it. But little people, you know, I was telling Pastor Josh, we were talking about this point. He's preaching in Jennings this morning. And I said, you know what? The wild thing is, you know what? They always say uh, Charles Spurgeon was called the Prince of Preachers. He was like incredible. I said, but you know the little known fact that many people don't know? Right beneath where he was preaching on the floor below, right directly under the pulpit, there were people praying the whole time he was preaching. And they called the prayer room the furnace room. And sometimes they said when he preached, you could hear the people praying, oh, God. And he goes, that's it. And he just get. Ain't nothing like saying, come on, baby. Yeah. The devil tries to burn. He tries to burn us. He tries to take us out. But fire just makes you stronger. You see, when. When. We often pray when we're, we're shaken up, but those guys are praying that they could get shaken up. Just shake us up, God. Heaven forbid that we would live our lives so dis- discontent from the source of the power of the living God. And the last thing, here's my end. Fire tests. It tests us. It ignites, it purifies, it consumes, and it tests us. First Peter, and then the trials will show that, that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have gone through trials and temptations and testings? And Come on, let me, anybody in here? The Bible says we should rejoice. Oh, oh rejoice. It, it's not like, you know, wouldn't it be great if God, you know, it's like, remember those little commercials they used to do, uh, like, um, on TV and the next 20, you know, uh, this is emergency broadcasting system. In the next 30 seconds, we're going to provide a test and go, beep. Wouldn't it be great if God came, this is the eternal broadcasting systems, the tests and trials and fiery darts and the devil himself and maybe some of his imps are going to show up on your doorstep at nine o'clock and you're going to go through hell. Wouldn't that be great? It just don't happen that way. You can be having the joy of the Lord all of a sudden like bang, you get decked. And he's saying this, is it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on that day when Jesus is revealed to the whole world. One of my teachers, Linda Ravenhill, a lot of people like to quote him now that he's dead. But they didn't want to hear him when he was alive. I remember he used to say he went to a refiner's fire and he was watching these guys refine gold. And then they started turning the heat up. 
And all this dross, all the impurities begin to come up. Okay? And they would begin to skim the impurities. And he looks at, he looks at the guy that's, the, the, the guy, the refiner, doing the fire. And he goes, he looks at him and goes, is it ready? He goes, no, it's not ready yet. He goes, well, how do you know when it's ready? He said, I'll tell you when it's ready. And he starts cranking it up and more. And it's just hotter. And he just keeps getting that dross. And after a while, he goes, he goes, it's ready. He goes, how do you know it's ready? He goes, it's easy. It's when you look in it and you can see a reflection of yourself. Then it's ready. God sometimes uses trials and fire that we are a reflection of who he is and what he desires and what he wants. And last story, and I'm done, I promise. How about the story in the Old Testament? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their faith was tested by fire, literal fire. Okay? And, you know, they do all this. Nebuchadnezzar, you know, he has this, these gods and everybody's supposed to, wor- you know, worship them. But there's some guys, some little, little, little guys, little, I like to call them trick guys. They like to trick you up or trip you up, trippy guys. And they go to Nebuchadnezzar, hey, man, those, those, little, those little Hebrew boys you brought in, they're not bowing down, man. Nebuchadnezzar gets, what? How many of you used to hate tattletales? Okay? How many had little brothers and sisters? You know what I'm talking about. Okay, and they come in there with a little tattletale devil on them, and yeah, he not him, him, him. And they come in there and tell him, and and then and they say, "Some you guys, you're gonna bow down." And he goes, "We're we're not gonna bow down." Well, I'm with, and the Bible says it's it's wild. If you read the story, he said he gets so mad, his face begins to contort. Turn it far up. Get it up. And they go, hey, if God doesn't deliver us, you know, whatever. But our God is a consuming fire. And it gets so hot, the guys that throw them in get burned. Okay? They're in the fire. But guess what? The, the ropes burn off in the fire. They're not bound anymore in the fire. You know, uh, they're... they're uh, they're letting others see, and as they just trusted God, guess what happens? They see another person in the fire, and it says it looks like, it may be like, it looks like the form of the Son of Man, the Son of God. Jesus was in the fire with them. And when God puts you in the fire, people can see Jesus sometimes. A reflection of himself. And see, and it's an opportunity for us to draw closer to the Lord than we were ever before. And I, let me just read at the end. And then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burnace toward the end. And the fiery furnace he declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. Everybody. The stirrups, the perfects, and the governors, and the king's council gathered together and saw the fire had not had any power over the bodies of these men. You know, think about it. Would you have rather been burned, been in the fire with Jesus than in the fire without him? That's why they stayed there. 
<laughs> hey, Jesus is with us. I ain't coming out there unless you ask me to come out. They said they weren't, their hair, their heads were not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed. And no smell of fire had come upon them. Where do we really see the Lord? More often than not, it's when you and I are in the midst of a fire, a trial, a test, the pain. We think, well, God's, you know, God, it seems like you're just delaying. Listen, God's, God's delays are not God's denials. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He's came to make people that are spiritually dead alive. And what he wants to do, he wants to breathe his life. And he uses fire in the Bible. Many times as as something that we can see that God is doing inside of our own hearts. People set in fire can walk through the fire. Does God's Holy Spirit live in you? Does it? Because... If it doesn't, it can. You know, I don't go around speaking in tongues publicly, but I was at the refrigerator the other day. My wife was there, my wife and my son, Luke, and, and Olivia, and my girl's 10 years old. And she just goes, Dad. And I was doing something. And I was, she goes, Daddy, are you speaking in them tongues? <laughs> I go, yeah, I'm, I'm speaking in tongues. And Luke goes, he, he, tongues, huh? He's my skeptic. He's too smart for his own good. And she goes, I said, you want the, you want the Holy Spirit? She goes, I want that. She went talking about tongues. She goes, I want, I said, and I started telling her a little bit and she's getting ready to eat pancakes. She's in her pajamas. And I just look at her and I go, she's my girl. And I started telling her, I just said, you want it? She goes, yeah. I said, all you got to do is ask for it. I just laid my hand on her and she raised her hands like this. And I said, just repeat after me. God, I'm hungry for you. Touch me. And you know what? I prayed for her. She didn't speak in tongues, but I said, baby, how do you feel? She goes, ooh, I felt God. I felt something, daddy. And I said, that's God. He's close to you. He's near to you. The Bible said he's near to the brokenhearted. He's near those that that are wounded. Remember, Jesus came to bring healing and power for those that have been scarred and wounded. Look, the world will wound you. People will hurt you. Circumstances will happen that you don't want to happen. That are out of your control. And we're always grasping to blame somebody. Come on, aren't we? You ever get caught for something and you go, he did it. You're like, you have a brother or sister that was like, they did it. They made me. You got made you, right. I'm looking at myself. He made me do it. So he put a gun to your head and go, do it or I'll kill you. No, it wasn't like that. Listen, if you're here and you just need the power of the Holy Spirit, he's here. Can I get you to do something? Just close your eyes. Just lift your hands to heaven right now. Some of you, maybe you've been filled with the Holy Spirit already. But some of you have just been warned. 
You're down. You're discouraged. And you just need a refreshing of God's spirit in your life. And others, you just say, you know, Pastor Bubba, I just want it. I need need God's power in my life. If that's you, it's just faith. Faith is just forsaking all. I take him. I take you, Jesus, at your word. I take you at what you want to do in my life. That I need you in my circumstance, in my testing, in my trial, with my kids, with my my job. God, I need your power. I need your wisdom. I need your grace. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would come with your holy fire. That you would consume every heart, every mind, every marriage, every child. God, those things that we try to hold on to or argue about or we justify. I pray that God, that you would come and you would ignite a fire inside of our hearts. And that you would begin to purge us and to cleanse us. And that we pray for a deep fire to burn up. God, if you need to cauterize our lips, if you need to cauterize our heart, our eyes. Things we've done that haven't been right with money or or deceptions, God. I pray that you would just burn those things off. God, for those that have had thoughts of like ending their marriage or ending or just doing things, just something stupid. And they realize today that, God, I, I can't do that. I need you. Maybe you're just at your wits end and you've allowed just a spirit of depression. Heartache. You've had heartache in your life. God just wants to come. Father, I just pray you just burn that up. Pray, God, that disappointment that people have had. Some people have just been disappointed. Father, burn that disappointment up. And I pray that you would just come right now. And that you would fill every heart, every mind with your presence. Say this with me, everyone here this morning. Say, Lord Jesus, burn up. Everything that I lift above you, that I try to hold on to, I give it to you this morning. You said that you resist the proud, but you give grace to the humble. I humble myself this morning and ask for your Holy Spirit fire to burn everything that wouldn't please you. In my life. And let me pray for you. If our Father come right now. Just come. We come. It's just. All we can do is receive. It's all we can do. We can ask. We ask God. I ask. I ask for every person here. God I ask. God you know everyone. You know everyone here God. How they got. Where they're they're facing. What's going on in their lives. And I pray God. That you would just come. And God, that you would just come and you would just set our hearts on fire. We need you. Consume our lives. Put a fresh passion for you. God, we want to be passionate. We want to be real. We don't want to be religious. We want to be real with you. Real with people around the world. Real with people that we work with. Real with our family. Real in our marriage. Real with our children, God. Consume us with your Holy Spirit fire. Thank you, God, that you're going to burn bright and clean in the hearts of men and women here. That, God, that you're going to set them free from themselves, from the world and the world's opinion. Lord, we can't live by the world's opinion or what people think. We want to live by your opinion. That we're a child. 
that we're fearfully, wonderfully man made by your hand. That you're with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. You're a father to the fatherless. You're a comforter in the midst of our pain. You said if we confess our sins that you're faithful. You're faithful God. To forgive us. To justify us. It's just as though it ever never happened. And to cleanse us. That means to wipe the slate clean. We start over God. Even though we have a past. That doesn't dictate what we become. And so Father I pray that you put a fresh passion. In every heart. and every mind. Here this morning. In your mighty name I pray. Amen. Look at me. And I'm really done. <laughs> People know me. Pastor, you always have about four endings. I've, I've gone longer than I really wanted to. But I just feel like this. I feel like for some of you, listen to me. Don't leave out of here and go, well, okay, I, I kind of get it a little bit. Can I just say, I'm, my prayer for you is that God just fills you with a hunger. You know, all that stuff you made excuses for before, God just burned that up. And give you a fresh hunger, a fresh thirst. Listen, when I got saved, I got, Pastor Jacob, let me the Lord. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. The next night I was on the, I was out on McKinley Street, the strip in Lafayette. Don't look at me like you don't know where that is. And I was sharing with people about Jesus. I was on fire. I was, I was just passionate. And I remember I said, God, I don't ever want to be religious. But one thing I always want to be is real. And that's what I pray for you. Uh, look at me. Let me give you a warning. Can I just tell you more? And I'm done. I'm giving it back to Pastor James. Here's my warning. Don't hang around religious people. What is that? What are you, Pastor Bubba? Hang around people that love Jesus. Do you know what I'm talking about? Huh? Find people that have got a fire. Find someone, listen, as a pastor, as a preacher, there are guys that I have in my life. I mean, let me, let me just say this. You know what I love about your pastor? He's my spiritual son. And, you're, and, and Cheryl, there's a fire in him. There's a fire. Big man, big fire. Okay? Oh, I've seen him fired up the other way. Him and Cheryl. I promise you that. But can I tell you something? This ought to comfort you. You don't have a, you have a pastor that has a pastor that has a pastor that has a pastor. Are you hearing me? And I'm so proud of y'all as a church. So proud of you and what God's doing here and what God's going to do here. And the things God's got a bright, a bright and awesome future for this campus. I'm telling you.